welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin, Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What do you do, you big Tennessee hover? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm doing well. A little bit under the weather, but we have got yeah. a ton of SEC football, so I'm going to power through it. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like on a quarantine lockdown right now, so uh, <laughs> the COVID is, is rampant here in East Tennessee, and yeah. uh, we're, we're just trying to get through it. My little one, she's got it right now, uh, but I think we're good, brother. We're stocked up on goodies. Uh, we're bleaching everything, Lysol and everything. You know the <laughs> typical thing. We've we've done this. Ain't our first rodeo. So, uh, but other than that, man, I've got college football keeping me busy. I got Coach O keeping me busy. Uh, the Twitters is fired up. Man, I'm telling you, this has been an eventful week. Not just a weekend. The weekend was great with college football, but it's the content that keeps leaking out after those games, which I am just I'm I'm head over heels for. Man, I love it. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, well, I know, you know, we're not going to do this every week, Shay, but I do just want to call attention real quick because we don't have a ton of respect, to be honest with you, with these polls. But mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this, Shay, the uh, the new AP poll is out. And after the SEC just dominated college football, we got eight teams, Shane, <laughs> right now from the SEC that are ranked, and we got mm-hmm. three more knocking at the door. So I just want to run through this real quick. Alabama, number one, no surprise. Right. Georgia, number two. Well, a little surprise. I mean, we we talked about the Georgia thing, but go ahead. Well, again, this is the polls, Shane. The polls are stupid, and they like these people that are, <laughs> you know, I, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Okay. Georgia, okay, number right. two. Texas A&M, number six. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the big one. Not even ranked last week, Shane. The Florida Gators, number 12. Ooh. Dang. Massive, massive jump up at the polls. Apparently, Shane, this is the uh, the first or, or the biggest jump Florida has ever made from unranked to ranked going back to, I believe, 1960. And you got any idea who the quarterback was? I, not that I assume you know this, but little trivia here. Do you know who the quarterback was for Florida that Steve season? Steve Spurrier. Oh, yeah, I think you already knew this. So, yeah, <laughs> that's the answer. Steve Spurrier won the Heisman that year, but – Again, Florida fans, you're on cloud nine. We, we're going to talk a lot of Florida, Kentucky here in just a moment. Arkansas moved up, Shane. They're number 16. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, that you're playing at Florida. Kentucky's number yep. 20. So we got number 12 versus number 20. That's a hell of a ball game. Mm-hmm. Number 22, Ole Miss. And then this one's for you, brother. 24, Tennessee. Come on well, now. And then, Come like on. I said, we got two, three more knocking at the door. Auburn, 34. Mississippi State 35, and South Carolina 39. So, man, the SEC just dominating college football. 11 of the top 14. Hell, and two win Vandy should be popping up there for <laughs> long, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't care much about these AP polls. They really don't matter. And But when we get to the end of the season, they start to fine-tune them a little bit. But just goes to show they had uh, freaking, you know, Utah – what number four and then uh where are they at now they dropped them down they're still in the poll so i mean they're giving respect in the coaches poll i mean this is why i don't even bring up the coaches poll shane utah is like five spots ahead of florida 
I mean, <laughs> what the hell are we doing with these polls? You know what I mean? Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, I, I mean, whatever. All right, thanks, Mike. Appreciate <laughs> it. We'll see how they, we'll see what they come up with next week, Mike. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're not going to be able to see next week, Shane. We're not going to be able to top this viral clip. If you missed it, we we had to start with this. Cocho down oh, there, yeah. obviously unemployed at the moment. We I miss Cocho, Shane, and I think I miss him down there at LSU. They might be missing him right now too. I kid, I kid. I, Brian Kelly, future's bright. But Coach O spoke to the Little Rock Touchdown Club on Tuesday. Shane is the best. Is the best we're gonna have all week. I'm not, I'm just telling you like it is. <laughs> that was my opportunity. You know, coaches got a shelf. Some coaches got fifty years. Some coaches got twelve. Mine was six. Good. I gotta tell you, we had a meeting. Hey, Coach, things are not going well. No shit, Jay. Ray Charles can see that, brother. <laughs> and they were good. And, and Scott Woodward is a friend of mine today. Really, really, a lot of respect for the way they handled me. So and, what's uh, next? Well, well I got to tell, tell you this, though. Say, Coach, you got $17.1 million on your contract. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> I said, what time you want me to leave? What door you want me out of, brother? <laughs> So, man, yeah, seventeen point one billion. Where, where's the door? My ass is gone. You know what? That's exactly what I'd say. Yeah, wherever you want me to dance naked on the fifty, I'll do it. Whatever. Uh, that was great. Uh, yeah, I, I miss, I miss him, and uh, I wish him all the way. I, you know, he talks about the shelf life. I don't think we've seen the last of Coach O. We may have seen him last head coaching. But he's still a hell of a coordinator. He's still a hell of a defensive line coach. I mean, there's going to be an opportunity that pops open. We're going to see him again. But how man, about, how about this money. idea, Shane? I got an idea for you. Yeah. All due respect, the legend. We talked about it. Lee Corso. Mm-hmm. Maybe time for him to ride off into the sunset. How about we replace him with Coach Ed Ogeron on college oh. game day? Who, who wouldn't sign up for that? That's That's a fiery pick, Mike. I like it putting them heads on i can see it now (laughs) (laughs) and we 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 got one more uh well two more one more funny clip though here shane mike leach we got big ball game traveling out to arizona arizona was a Mm -hmm. surprise winner week one over san diego state but uh coach leach if you missed it one of his players shane got got married he proposed to uh uh, his girlfriend there on the field saturday night coach Mm -hmm. leach asked uh, about some marriage advice for his young receiver. Game, uh, Chance Lovertich got engaged. I don't know if you're aware of that. But I was going to see if you had any advice for him. It sounds like I'm too late. Uh, my best advice would either make sure that the ceremony and, you know, <clears throat> on one hand you'd like to do it out after the season, but uh, no sense uh, torturing yourself. Uh, first advice, elope. Um, <clears throat> you know, just eliminate all the you know the 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 family input aggravation uh, uh, change of constant change of course that exists with planning weddings and the anxiety and the pressure that almost drives uh, people to divorce before they even start and um, <clears throat> the second would be if you're not going to elope um, let's get it done uh, certainly by the off week during the off week and you can honeymoon it up a little bit during the off week, um, <clears throat> I think would be the, you know, but once you made the decision, uh, 
you got to get that uh, deal in play. Um, <clears throat> the other thing, continue to make sure <clears throat> that you hang out with uh, your friends and do all the pursue all the interests and things that you did that she fell in love with, that you fell in love with, so that, you know, because there's nothing worse than two people that get married that uh, um, try to act all domesticated because they think that's how uh, married couples and old people behave. You know, it's, a, it's the most bogus, boring stuff ever, and it's very disturbing. So hopefully, hopefully they don't uh, resort to that or stoop to that or vicariously just gravitate that direction because others do. <laughs> All right, Jay, so there we got it from Coach Leach. Um, I mean, he. this is not the first time he's given marriage advice. He, there was a clip years back at Washington State, but, uh, you know, he's, he's sticking with his uh, love advice here down at Mississippi State. Mike, and again, if and to, to piggyback off what he said, if you want to get proposed to during fall and football, that is fine. It's the marriages is the problem <laughs> because that's where you run into picking a Saturday and then, you know, I just – there's that's what I was telling my wife. We, 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 sometimes we get in a heated argument over, over football and, and it's like, honey, you know, it's not all year long. You know, I'm asking for like three months, you know, she's like, well, you pod all the time. Well, yeah, we, we pod, but I mean, we don't actually talk about football, but for three months out of the year, you know, so I ended up breaking down and having to get another TV so that she could watch one in her room, you know, <laughs> she goes, I ain't watching this football. Are you going to watch it nonstop? And I said, she's surprised. Like we've been married for 14 years and, and you're still surprised that I watch football so much, but we got a podcast. You know? <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Shane of, uh, you know, maybe putting his foot in his mouth a little bit here. I don't want to go that far. Hell I'm, I think I'm public enemy number one in College Station right now, Shane, but I had to play these clips because I just, you know, I thought it was so weird that old Jimbo, he was asked about West Virginia and Mm -hmm. maybe coaching the Mountaineers at some point. Hell, he's Mm. under contract for 10 more years, and he's one of the richest paid coaches in college football. I don't know why West Virginia's on his mind, but that's what Jimbo had to say here. I did not edit this together. This is straight from the horse's mouth. At the end of your career, have you ever considered coaching the WVU Mountaineers? <laughs> you, know, you don't ever say never in this business, and home is home. West Virginia is always dear to my heart. I love them and always have, always rooted for them my whole life. And uh, you never say never in this business where it takes you. You know, I'm happy where I'm at, and I love where I'm at, but home is home. <laughs> All right, Shade. So, hey, sometimes we, you know, we give these coaches crap for, for speaking – for not telling the truth. Yeah. So, so maybe I need to give him a little bit of a break here. Maybe he's just being honest, but it, it's weird. Don't you think to see a coach chasing a national championship, chasing so much goals there in college station. And he's, I don't want to say he's eyeing his next job, but he's talking about other jobs. Could you imagine Nick Saban talking about this? No, no, I can't. But again, you, you we, we're taking like one clip out. The, the guy, you know, he's, he was asked if he would ever, see himself coaching there. I mean, we don't know what the future. You lose – you keep playing like you did against Sam Houston, there's going to be an opportunity to be West Virginia head coach. I'm just telling you right now. That's not what Jimbo wants. Jimbo wants to win national championships and be considered, uh, again, one of the greatest coaches in college football history. But if if the last chapter includes him going to his alma mater to, to uh, you know, coach some pigskin, then why not? I, I think it's I, – I, that this would be me. This is if if I got the opportunity 
to coach at, you know, of course, I think Tennessee's an elite program, but let's just say the NFL. I got an offer, and I'm I'm head coach of Pittsburgh for 20 years. And then they said, you know, Shane, at the tail end of this, do you ever see yourself at Tennessee? Well, I'd still like to win Super Bowls, but, you know, I understand, just like Coach O said earlier, there's a shelf life. And at the end of that thing, if I, if I got an opportunity to coach at Tennessee, then absolutely I'd take that advantage. So I'm not going to harp on Jimbo too much here. This is just him – this is him being real, and uh, and again, that's that's far and few between with these SEC coaches, in my opinion. All right, Shane. Hey, man, we have got a number of games here to preview. Some some really terrific matchups, including two SEC showdowns and coach comments from all these guys. So, uh, you ready to talk some Kentucky, Florida? Let's do it, baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's start uh, in Lexington, Shane, because all of a sudden. You know, I don't want to say everybody because, hell, I've been pumping up Florida, but this is was your pick number two in the East. This was the official yep. media pick. Number two in the East, the Kentucky Wildcats started a little slow against Miami, but you finished strong. And all of a sudden, Shane, I, I think the vast majority of the country is going to be picking Florida to win at home over Kentucky. And I got to be honest, Shane, I think Mark Stoops and company, that is exactly – where you want to be mm-hmm. discounted once again. Florida on the rise. Florida going to win national championship. Lowly Kentucky. Maybe they make the Music City Bowl. They're, that's probably all over the locker room up there. I've, I've already seen one analyst uh, predict Florida to just destroy Kentucky. I, I believe I was on the Paul Feinbaum show here on Tuesday. But uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that, Shane? Kentucky, is this at least mentally right where they got the Florida Gators, right where they want them? Yeah, I, I really do, and and you know, Florida is the sexy pick right now. Let's not let's not lose the fact that we just bashed the AP poll. You know, what if they're wrong on Utah? Mm-hmm. I mean, is anybody ever? I mean, just take. I mean, obviously they're not the number four team in the country, or they wouldn't get beat by an unranked Florida Gators. So the AP poll, it's like, do do we? How much validity do we put into this poll? And then you know, again, you won at the very end, last second play. So. I, it was a tough fault ball game. Both sides of the ball, you know, they gave anything. They gave it all. There was no, there was no breaks. You know who took breaks last week? Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And it, and I'm not saying it cost them a game, but you know they were a sluggish start. They worked out some of their problems, but once they got going, man, they were they were unstoppable. And and I think you know not having the game come down to the very end of the wire and that emotional drain that you just upset number four team. I think that is perfect for Kentucky. Did they make mistakes week one? Absolutely. But they were working on them. And in Florida Gators, you ask any Gator fan right now, majority of them are overlooking Kentucky. This is a program they're not expecting to lose to. Now, let me ask you this though, Shane, because uh, it, it certainly seemed in the opener that Florida, excuse me, Kentucky, they had, little bit of issue with the, the offensive line. You know, their their run totals were not great, although mm-hmm. you got to – in college, you know, we factor in the sacks. There was four sacks, I believe, of Will Levis, a lot of them on third yeah. and third and uh, long. So it was like critical, obvious passing situations, and, and Levis was under pressure getting hit. But, you know, it, it's troubling because Chris Rodriguez looks like – no official word. We'll get to what Mark Stoops had to say, but – He's out. Ramon yeah. Ramon Jefferson, they brought in this transfer running back. He's out for several weeks. Jatuan McLean, another guy they were counting at running back. He's week to week. He got banged up in the opener. So all of a sudden, your depth at running back is going to be tested. Yet, 
what we saw from that Florida-Utah game, Utah really, and this is what we knew about Florida coming into the season. Their defensive line was thin and, and mm-hmm. lacking, you know, a player or two here, but the defensive tackle position in particular, very thin and lacking marquee talent that the Florida Gators are used to. Yet Utah was able to take advantage of that. Kentucky has got to take advantage of that. But they're almost like between a rock and a hard place because, hell, they they got any running backs here. And the offensive line was struggling against Miami of Ohio. So I say all that, Shane, to say this, pose this question to you. Do you try to establish that run like Utah did, which they were having a ton of success in the second half? Or do you rely on Will Levis, who is obviously the star of your team, but surrounded outside of Robinson, the transfer, a lot of youth at receiver for Kentucky. And they really got those guys going in the opener. Maybe that was the plan where, hey, we got to get these guys ready for Gainesville. But it's going to be very interesting to me to see how Kentucky tries to attack Florida because there's many different ways to go about it. Well, I I think it seems like you say this about every game, but it's, it's about establishing the run, in my opinion here. Florida looked fantastic last week with the rushing attack. Kentucky didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who's going to be running the ball during this thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think they had like 50 yards rushing last week. They cannot They cannot repeat that. They cannot put this just on Will Levis and his arm because the recipe's been out there. More often than not, when it comes down to just Will and, and everybody else, Kentucky – you know, is either in a fight for their life or they lose the game. And and I think establishing that 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 offensive line and controlling that line of scrimmage and I think that's just that's what it boils down to. It's gonna come down to that rushing attack. Something that Kentucky needs to get better at and something Florida needs to continue to do. How does that how does that go into the next week? I don't know, Mike. I, I mean one thing I will say is um I, nothing against Utah. But I, I think that Kentucky defensive front is a little bit is going to be a little bit tougher to run against. Yep. Um, you know the 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 tape is out. I mean, everybody knows exactly what Anthony Richardson is capable of. So I'm sure there's that's been the 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 emphasis all week is quarterback containment. You know, if you take that away, then. What, what does the Florida offense look like when you put it on the arm of Anthony Richardson? So I think you could argue this back and forth either way, but the main thing is whoever wins this game has got to establish that running game early, man, because if they don't and they make it one-dimensional, that team will lose. Any update on Chris and Jordan? I wish I did, guys. I, I wish I did. Um, I don't know, being a holiday today and, you know, we don't have any. I don't have anything I could report. And again, um, I've always been transparent with you, and uh, tried to be the best I can. Again, I've been advised. There's there's things going on. There's layers to this that 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 I've been advised. I really can't comment on it. It's not uh, it's not that I'm trying to hide uh, things from you. But again, the players have you know their own rights and, and things of that nature uh, with this situation. Mark, why is the C-Rod situation taking so long? I mean, everybody seems to be overly patient with that. You have been. It's Again, John, I mean, what? I mean, if I could say it, I would. I, I, I mean, it's that simple. I'm not trying to, to, to hold anything, you know, uh, back. Um, I don't think, you know, with – I just better just talk. I mean, what's more – you know, I can't be any more clear than that. 
I've been advised not to. I can't say. It's not anybody that's hurt, injured, you know, things that are out there, I've told you for 10 years. You know, so I think you can understand that it's out of my hands. Mark, what were some of your big takeaways watching that floor that you told me? Um, that, that, you know, both both teams are good football teams, and uh, Florida is uh, more physical. You know, they, they to me, they, uh, you know, their offensive line really, really played well, and you could see um, that improvement in, in the uh, commitment to being a, a, a tough physical unit. Um, they always have great guys on the perimeter and skilled uh, players, and, and Anthony, uh, it just, a, again, just a, a very good football player. That uh, I guess you could just hit that on repeat when we get into the league, you know, because you say they're going to say that pretty good, but uh, that's the way it is. And then uh, defensively, Florida, um, they have three or three of the four four on the back end uh, returning very good football players, guys with a lot of experience. Trading uh, their free safety has played. It's, I can't believe he's still playing, but no, he's only a fifth-year guy. But he's—he's he's a good player. I remember recruiting him out of high school, and uh, just a very good player, very experienced, very solid, and uh, got great length. So uh, they have a good group back there, and their nickel has quite a bit of experience as well. So that—that that group is uh, very good and very talented. We need, you know, we, I think we all understand we need to to run the ball more efficiently. It wasn't wasn't awful, uh, you know, when you when you add in the sack yardages, it. it you know, takes off the, the net. Uh, but when you just got the, the running back runs, we only ran it, I want to say, 26 times maybe with the running backs. 25, 26 times for 75 yards. It's not up to our standards uh, by any stretch. But we, we, could get the, we could get that ironed out. The good news is I don't think any of our running backs had any negative yardage plays, so everything still went downhill, which is important in this offense to be able to get those three, four, you know, five-yard gains and keep them off balance. I think you could tell by, you know, with our run game, it opened up those strikes. It opened up those those passes that that we we really hit consistently all day, and uh, you know, and so uh, you know, the more effective we are and more committed we are to the run game, we'll continue to open up opportunities. Yeah, and it's just interesting to me, Shane, that here we got Kentucky and Florida. They're both, you know, we're young in the Billy Napier era, but I know enough to know that. His the foundation of his offense is smash mouth running the ball, and yep. we we saw that against Utah obviously. But yep. that's what both these teams want to be. Yet they both got star quarterbacks. That everybody's <laughs> going to be circling that. Uh, hey, who's going to be the guy that makes the play? And I think um, you know again, I think it plays into Kentucky's hands, Shane. That uh, everybody, our, us included, hyping up Anthony Richardson and, and just yep. mar- marveling over his talent. Yet here we got Will Levis, who he probably already has got a chip on his shoulder, but he's coming into this game saying, hey, yeah. you know, they're talking, I'm, a, I'm an elite quarterback too, and I'm going to go out here and outduel this guy that everybody's enamored with uh, after week one. So you know, it's going to be pretty interesting to see these quarterbacks go head-to-head. It, well, I mean, it is going to be a hell of a matchup, no doubt in my mind, Mike. And, and But that doesn't need to be the attitude, in my opinion, of Will Levis. He doesn't need to win this game. He he really doesn't. And, and, and I think sometimes you can get in your own way, you know, and, and try to force things, which he forced a few things last week. But, you know, this, this isn't 
Will Levis versus Anthony Richardson. We're going to paint it that way because right. that's what we do. <laughs> but it, it is it's the Florida Gators against Kentucky Wildcats, and it's going to be a team effort. and And I think that's the key. the 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 true MVP of this game will be the one that rallies the entire crew, not just themselves. Now, let me ask you this though, Shay, for Florida, coming off maybe the best win of the of the young season here. Fans are hyped. Anticipation is going to look like another sellout crowd. Everybody on campus is, is yeah. you know, touting them, telling how great they are. How big of a challenge do you think it is for Billy Napier to get this team to to turn right around and, and focus in? I mean, it's an SEC game. Obviously, that helps. You lost to Kentucky last year. You, right. you know, this is – it's not often Florida could say a revenge game with the Kentucky Wildcats, but here we are. Do you think focus is at all an issue for this Florida team? How can it not be, man? I, you know, I'm still – there's still highlights coming out from that game. There's still, yeah. you know, different angles of that, that last play. And, I mean, they're just relishing it all. And, and, they, and, and they should. This was a huge upset. This was a great win for the Florida Gators. What I really enjoyed about it – is is the swamp came alive man you know that that's say what you want that crowd noise was a factor and mm-hmm. and and the fan that's all with fandom and and we want them to be pumped up we want them to rally behind their troops and and but with these players have got to go in it week at a time and i know it's i hate i hate when they say that you know it's like they don't want to talk about a team three weeks from now whatever it's one week we're we're oh and one go you know going into <laughs> this one so that but that's really the mentality that Florida has to happen and and but the only my only concern is senior leadership this is when you know the coaches can i mean Napier's been here before the coaches staff has been here before these Florida Gators a lot of these players have it and and they're going to need somebody from inside that rock locker room whether it be Anthony Richardson or some other seniority come up and step up and say hey you know that was last week. We got to flush this shit. It's a new ball game. It's a new week, and we got to, we got to, we got to, we can't, we can't drag ass. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and I, they, they, because a lot of times you see some of these teams that get hung over, mm-hmm. whether they get upset or something, and it carries over to the final week. There's been a lot that pull off the upset. Prime example, Pitt. At Tennessee, they just you know they had that big game against Tennessee, and then they dropped some cupcake team, and right. they beat Clemson, and they drop another one. That's that was a it's a theme up there. It happens to other programs. Florida cannot get too high. They need to just I know it's easier said than done, but they they're going to need somebody in that locker room to just grab everybody by the reins and say, hey, we got to do this. It's a new week. Get that it, that one's over. Twenty four hour rule. That's long gone. We're on to Kentucky. Ooh, I love this fire from Cousin Shane. Oh, I love it, man, because this is this is such a big game. This is a pivotal matchup in the yeah. SEC East. You know, and and it's and it has been for the last few years. And, you know, Kentucky had their number last year. Florida had it the I mean, but it's a fun game to watch, but it's also a true testament to what, what how the East plays out. Mm-hmm. You know, is is Florida legit? I don't know. Is Kentucky a bust? We don't know, you know, because we're basing it off of Utah, which we think was overrated. And and we're in a in a freaking I don't even know that it doesn't matter who the hell Kentucky played last week because that's what we can't base it off. But we can base it off this game. We can base the SEC off these two matchups. So I, I just I'm pumped up for it, man. How can you not be? That too. You got young guys who 
I mean, that was an exhilarating experience. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful we have a lot of those, right? But, you know, I think you're right. I think that's a big question is, like, how is this group of players and this staff going to handle everybody patting them on the back for the next week? You know, and I think that uh, it's one of the things about the University of Florida. You know, you're in a state with 21 million people. You know, you got a huge alumni network. You got unbelievable passion, right? So when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's bad, right? So learning how to navigate that, ignore um, some of the subjective opinions and really call it what it is, call a spade a spade. So uh, I think that's... I think the sense I got from our team is that they know they can do much better. This has been an offensive line that's been considered a finesse offensive line for years. Would you talk about the toughness he brings and the toughness you saw from your offensive line? Yeah, no, I think that's one of the areas where we, you know, we played the way we want to play. You know, I thought we, um, that group showed, you know, that's, that's kind of who we want to be. You know, I mean, that's the brand of football that we played in the past. We invest in that area. We have two offensive line coaches. Uh, we put a premium on line of scrimmage play. Uh, that's a developmental position. Um, but certainly Osiris, um, he rose to the occasion. You know, I think we've always felt that Osiris was one of the better players out there, and, and he showed it. You know, he was one of our players of the game. Um, and I think that his comfort with the system, right, his comfort with the routine, I think that rubs off on that group a little bit. Uh, but uh, Coach Stapleton and Coach Sell are really good at what they do in that group. You know, I think well, there, there's area, there's a lot of room for improvement there. But uh, we're getting closer to the identity that we want that group to have. So, so many facets in building a program, winning is – Minor, but yet major, right? What does a win like that and maybe even a game like this, what can that do to maybe jumpstart, you know, yeah. fast track the big picture of what you're trying to do? Well, I mean, I think it helps, um, you know, when you're new and you're doing things a different way and you're trying to establish trust and you're trying to connect with people you know, I think that it's important that they see progress, right? They taste a little bit. Uh, and I think this was our first opportunity to take some of these things that we've been doing. We've been working for eight months, right? And then you got to go play a game. If, you know, there's no preseason games. There's no inner, you know, you don't get to go scrimmage another team. So the player experiences, oh, man, some of these things that we've learned are working. You know, this may have a chance here. They may, you know, there's always a little bit of doubt until they see, okay, hey, maybe we got a chance here. So, I mean, I think early on in your tenure, you're always looking for these type of opportunities. Um, and it ain't over, just so we all understand that, right? So, I mean, um, we found a way to win that game. But, you know, I think each week is going to present a new set of challenges, and each week will be much the same. This podcast is brought to you by FUBU TV. FUBU TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football, NFL Red Zone, and games also available in 4K 
at no extra charge. Over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for for just a fraction of the cost of cable TV. You can watch FUBU TV with all your devices. Never miss a game or your favorite show with this cloud-based DVR. Records up to a thousand hours of entertainment for you. The best part: there's no contracts, no commitment. No minimum deal you got to sign up for, and you can cancel the service at any time. So help out the podcast. If you're looking for television service this football season, check out FUBU TV, and you can try it now for free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. Just go to FUBUTV.com and use that promo code SEC. That's F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash SEC. You can find this information in the show notes. We got one other SEC matchup, Shane. Very much looking forward to this showdown. South Carolina at Arkansas. A lot on the line for both of these teams. South Carolina trying to prove they're legit. Arkansas trying to prove that they belong among the SEC elite. And Man, with uh, you know what we saw in the opener, a little—I I gotta be honest, Shane—I was a little bit disappointed with both these teams. But I, you know, I, again, we don't want to overreact. But I—this is might sound kind of weird, but I kind of like it when teams struggle and they win the ball game because I yeah. think that builds character and it, and that just—you know—you need that if you're a good team. There, there ain't bad teams in the SEC that that play average and and win the game you got to be a hell of a good team to struggle and come out and and it's not like they barely won south carolina covered the spread arkansas covered the spread so imagine how good these teams can be if they're firing on all cylinders and they're probably both going to have to to reach that level if they're going to win on saturday in razorback stadium don't you think yeah this this is two programs that had a lot of hype coming into the season and they kind of stumbled out of the gate. I mean, like you said, they both got the victory, which is important, and that's what matters most. But they didn't get it the way they wanted to or the way the fans expected it to go down. So, mm-hmm. obviously, there was a there was a lot of uh, mirror looking when they got back in that locker room, you know, because they got to identify where they messed up. But how do they build off that? I think that's the key, man. Not not just, like you said, that grittiness and, and, and finding a way to win. But I, I think what's even more important is is how quick can they fix problems? You know, there's sometimes you, you watch a team and, and they got a situation that kind of lingers through three or four games and maybe it costs them one or two. You know, you can't – this is win now. The SEC, you got to win now. And which one of these teams, you know – drinks their medicine and comes out here, you know, in better shape. So I think that's that's what I'm looking for is just the bounce back of these two programs. And I know it sounds crazy because they lost or they they didn't lose what they want. Sorry, cut that part out. And I know that sounds crazy because they didn't lose the game. But, again, it didn't start the way they wanted to. Yeah, and I'm a little concerned, Shane, after watching that, re-watching all the openers here, Arkansas secondary. You know, they left a lot of guys – Wide open, the Cincinnati quarterback just couldn't hit him. And now it sounds like Jalen Catalan and Miles Slusher are not going to be able to play. This, you know, Sam Pittman will get to his comments here in a second, but just, you know, basically doesn't share much of anything on either of those players. So hopefully they're both back, but no indications at this point that they are. Uh, I think the real 
question for South Carolina is whether they can even block for Spencer Rattler to where the Gamecocks can take advantage of a, a potential issue on the Arkansas defense. But, you know, I was a little bit impressed with uh, South Carolina and their run defense. That was a real, real issue last season. But not that they completely shut Georgia State down, but this is going to be an, their toughest challenge yet of the season, trying to slow down these Arkansas Razorbacks. And it looks like Dominique Johnson, the bruising back, for Arkansas to go with Rocket Sanders and A.J. Green. They should all three be available for this matchup. It's, again, we hate to keep making the same points for every game, but Arkansas, if they have their way on the ground here, that's that's going to pave their way to another victory, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think more importantly on South Carolina's side, um, you know, Spencer ran for his life many times last week. Yeah. They were unable to get that running game going. It, it, these these hogs up front, they got to figure it out because you better believe uh, uh, Arkansas is going to have them ears pinned. They they've been watching this film and they cannot wait to play South Carolina, and and that that shouldn't be the case. But uh, this South Carolina offense, and especially this offensive line, this isn't their first rodeo, but they have got to they have got to get it together, man. Because if they can't establish a run, or if they can't keep Spencer off the ground, then they don't have a shot. Coach, after watching the film of Saturday, is there anybody or anything in particular that stood out that maybe you weren't expecting or anything? I thought our, I thought Landon Jackson and and Terry Hampton and Dominic Jordan. I thought they, uh, I thought they all played well. Jordan Dominic, excuse me, I get that mixed up all the time. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't get it mixed up. I knew who he was when he had that sack, picked that fumble up. Um, thought they all played well. Uh, we've got something there. We've got a little bit more depth. I uh, was pleased with our wide receivers. Um, I don't think we talked about them much in there, all of them. Uh, there was some, you know, our, our O-line's got to play better. We've got to be more consistent. Um, uh, with our reads and different things on offense. Defensively, uh, we've got to play better in the secondary. Uh, but all those things, none of it was we're not playing hard. We're not – our eyes are in the wrong spot. We just didn't cover them sometimes, and we didn't block them sometimes. And we've got to get better. But if you look back last year, I think after the first game and to the second game, we improved quite a bit. And that's old coach's cliche, but that's that's pretty accurate. You know, you you should improve more in the second week. Uh, that that really you get game tape, you get live action, and and uh, so we look for a lot of improvement out of our team. Do you have any update on the Catalan Slusher and, and Isaiah Nichols? Well, um, we're not ready really to figure out exactly Catalan situation. Um, we haven't. Let's say that I guess. Um, Slusher's in the same boat there, and uh, I think Nichols will be fine. Cornerback stand now that you've seen them through one game, and did you get any clarity there? Um, well, we have a lot of work to do. Um, I think probably Nudie and and Clark uh, Chavis would be another one that you know. Uh, there's still guys that that 
need to be need to get on the field somehow, but they got to practice better to do that. But I think those three are right now are probably ahead of of the rest of them at this point. But uh, we'll see how practice goes. Sam, what's your take on on, on Rattler? Obviously, a really heralded guy at OU, lost yeah. the job, but um, you know he's starting again. I like him. You know, he plays like a guy that's played before. You know, experienced, uh, got a lot of poise, he got a lot of. Con- you just can feel his confidence through the film. You know, he's. I got a chance to watch the game a little bit live as well. Um, you know, anytime you have a quarterback, sort of like KJ with us, uh, he's gonna. He's either going to have through the whole team confidence about him or he's the whole team reacts to me a lot about what your quarterback does. And you can kind of see that a little bit with South Carolina. They believe in him and uh, he runs the show well. And, you know, for a guy that just you know, it was his first game, I thought he played really well. Hey, you mentioned the Georgia game last year and the energy in the stadium. Uh, before you went down there, Nicobe Dean was talking about the 2019 South Carolina game, which was a early start and, and you guys had lost. And he yeah. thought something to the effect that the lack of energy had probably cost him. Do you perceive that that's a, that, that can sometimes be an issue for those early games that it's hard for the players to get up for them? Oh, I think it's more of an excuse. You know, you get beat and you go, oh, well, we did, it's 11 o'clock and the crowd was – you're supposed to be ready to play where there's anybody in there. The crowd helps you. And that's why I want, you know, well, I don't have to ask the Razorbacks to come out there. They've already sold 70 something thousand tickets. They'll be out there. Um, and they enjoy coming. So they'll be loud and they helped us last week. But I, you know, yeah, I think, I think as a coach, you worry about everything, you know, you can worry just because I'm not worrying, you know, and I mean, you can't, it's weird. Uh, but 11 o'clock game, we practiced six times, you know, at started at 10, 15. We're, that's not going to be the reason why we win or lose. But I'll, I'll say this, Georgia's crowd this year was deafening when we went out there. And, and it, was a, it was a problem for us, just like hopefully our crowd's going to be Saturday for South Carolina. Now, on the other side, Shane, I, I know you're going to love this comment. So I got two little sections here for Shane Beamer, but last time Beamer was in uh, Razorback Stadium, he, mm-hmm. I believe he was, say, he was saying here that he was on the Tennessee assistant staff. This, I think this was his first ever college job. He worked under Fulmer, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and they had to play one Darren McFadden who I know you're a big fan, and, of course, he's he's That's a legend it. there in Fayetteville. So let's kick it over to Shane Bieber. You'll love these ones. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were, were you on the staff when you went to Arkansas and Darren McFadden went for, like, 340 yards? Sorry, I know that's not the <laughs> most fun memory. but <laughs> Yeah, thanks. No, I was. I think that was uh, my first year, 2007. Um, 2007, yeah. McFadden, uh, Peyton Hillis, and that was Felix, uh, Felix Jones. Yeah, I think they each ran for like 500 yards apiece. My favorite memory of that game is I'm coaching defense, and uh, I was coaching defense and special teams. And I'm a young coach. It's my first year on the staff. I mean, I kind of – I'm coaching defense, but I'm taking a back seat to the older coaches on that defensive staff, and I'll never forget. This was after they've gone up and down the field on us, and 
the I don't want to name names, but the defensive coordinator is on the field, and he's talking to one of the coaches in the press box. This is like second quarter. Or no, actually, I think it's early first quarter, and we can't stop them. It's obvious. And the defensive coordinator is talking to one of the coaches in the box, and the coach in the box is like, hang on a second. Just don't say anything. I'm up here drawing. And the coordinator is like, you're up here drawing? He's like, yeah, I'm putting together a plan here that we can do some stuff to try and stop them. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, if we're up here drawing stuff up on paper right now in the middle of the first quarter, we're in for a long night. And we were. Uh, that was a long night in Fayetteville. And hopefully uh, hopefully we play a lot better defensively than what we did that night. All right, Shane. So, hey, that's just the, kind of the way it is, man. When, you, when you're facing a legend like Darren McFadden, I don't care – you know, you think you got a plan until you see him on a field and you realize real damn quick, we got no no plan for this monster. No, that's right. If you're drawing in the dirt, man, you're in <laughs> trouble, brother. <laughs> but that, hey, that's maybe what uh, South Carolina's going to be facing this week with K.J. Jefferson and, and the trio of running backs again and, and these receivers. My goodness, Shane, again, yeah, Arkansas, I said this on Twitter and I believe it. I don't know if I said it on the show or not, but – I think they played a C-type ball game last week. Right. And they had over 200 rushing, 200 passing like I predicted they would because they just got so many weapons and K.J. Jefferson is so damn good that uh, if you know if they are firing on all cylinders, I don't know if anybody could slow them down. No, and that's why you keep it away from them. I, I think that's the game plan, and that's what worries me about South Carolina is if they can't run the ball, they can't keep the chains moving – then all of a sudden you're giving KJ more opportunities to to torture secondary, and that's that's exactly what South Carolina doesn't want. So again, that's that's got to be the emphasis is just keep it away from them, keep it away from the Razorbacks, slow this game down a little bit, don't let them get that fast tempo going, and then maybe you can hang on there. But I'm telling you, this is a this is a tough get. And, uh, you know, I will say Arkansas's banged up. So there is a little bit to that, maybe an opportunity that Spencer can take advantage of. So uh, we'll see soon enough. Yeah, and good news for South Carolina, Shane. Christian Beal Smith, the running back, he's expected to go for the first time. He was uh, Wake Forest leading rusher the last two years. Mm -hmm. Pair him with Marshawn Lloyd. You got a hell of a one-two back here at running back. Again, blocking could be an issue, but Spencer Rattler, this, I think – you know, maybe it was too much to expect him to come out and fire in all cylinders, but if they can get him going with this receiving core, I really do think that he can take advantage of this secondary if he has time to throw the ball. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and as Sam Pittman said, you know, there's may not be a better quarterback in the country that can throw on the run like Spencer Rattler. So he may be running for his life, but he's still a hell of an accurate quarterback on the run. Yeah. So you got to be careful of that. And even though the team is struggling here, Shane Beamer and company still pretty fired up about their team heading into Fayetteville. Hey, Shane. We've been hearing for years now that the most improvement is between game one and game two. Over the course of your career, is that really true? <laughs> and, and also, um, when you look at first game mistakes, are they mainly mental or physical? Uh, as far as the week one to week two, um, I'd say you uh, – I don't know if it's always accurate because we've won some week ones and lost some week twos. But I do think the it, it is the improvement that you're able to make because you finally, you finally play a game. You know um, – you really know what you need to correct. And maybe we thought we were 
this was going to be something we were good at or whatnot, and maybe it's not quite what we thought or thought this guy would maybe handle this better, and he didn't. So you, you have a better idea about yourself, so I think you're better prepared going into week two than you are week one. It's You have a better understanding of how we do things. You know, you try and prepare the guys for uh, – what the hotel's like and what the pre the game day routine is like, but you don't actually do it, do it for real, real until game day. So now this week will be not the first time we've done it. Uh, first time we've done it on a road. So you just have a better uh, understanding from that standpoint, uh, week one to week two. And, and we, we, uh, we will be better than what we were last week, but we won't be as good as we hope to be. I mean, we're constantly improving on this, uh, 12 guaranteed game opportunity, and this is the uh, this is the next step. And then, as far as the mental and physical, hey Shane, have you seen a heightened sense of urgency from the guys since SEC play is starting this week? And then also, how confident are you in Nick that he'll be able to step up if RJ is unable to go at safety? Yeah, uh, I think automatically there's going to be a heightened uh, heightened sense of urgency. There better be. I mean, we're in the SEC play here pretty quick. Uh, and uh, going on the road against a nationally ranked opponent to open up SEC play, uh, you better have that urgency for sure. So our guys know, and, and again, each, each and every week we talk about us, and it's about us, and, and try not to prepare differently for Arkansas than what we did Georgia State. And they're all, you know, other coaches use it, but it's true, just nameless, faceless opponents, and let's worry about us. But when you're going on the road in the SEC, it's different. Uh, let's be real. And our guys know that. And and the energy and spirit at practice this morning certainly reflected that. And then in regards to uh, Nick, yeah, I have confidence. Uh, Torian and Clayton will do a great job, you know, getting him uh, getting him ready. I mean, he walked, he stepped in the other night. And and I want to say uh, – I was talking to Luke and Luke Day this morning about it. I, th- I want to say Nick played more snaps when you take his defensive snaps and special teams than any player on the team the other night. I mean, he was out there a bunch. And uh, um, he did well. Now, just because it happened last week doesn't mean it's going to happen this week. And we've got to do a great job of getting him ready to go again and maybe even more of a prominent role. You know, Arkansas has tape on him now. Georgia State really didn't know much about him. So Nick will be fine, all those guys. And it's not just Nick. There's a lot of guys that will be playing their first road game this week. There's a lot of guys that uh, haven't been in a stadium you know, like this, uh, that that have been in college football for a while. Juice Wells, I don't know if think Juice Wells played in a stadium like he's going to play in Saturday when he was at James Madison. So we got to do a great job of, you know, hand, worrying about what we can control, preparing ourselves, and at the end of the day, realize it's about us. Had a couple of guys, you know, defending that O-line on social media the last couple of days. We had a couple of guys come in here today say today was the best practice that they've had all season so far. You know, where is the atmosphere and the morale of the locker room right now coming into week two? as high as it's been, um, sky high. I mean, were there parts Saturday night that um, didn't look great? Sure. I think there's a lot of teams across the country that can that can say that. But at the end of the day, we didn't play well. It really, we didn't play well overall in a lot of areas, in my opinion. And we still beat a team that's going to compete for the championship in their conference by three touchdowns. And the game was in control the entire fourth quarter. Um, so a lot to correct on. Nobody's walking around patting ourselves on the back about Saturday night. But uh, we know what the issues are. We know the group of guys that we have in that locker room. And uh, there's no issues with uh, anything besides 
getting ready to play or getting ready to, to go play Arkansas and, and be the very best we can be. So now our guys are excited and I don't worry about them, you know, whatever the noise is out there. Uh, it is what it is, but that's just part of, you know, you're either every Saturday you're judged on 12 Saturdays and we uh, certainly need to be better this Saturday than what we were last. Oh yeah. I'd like to see them get McDowell a little bit more involved. That, that, that mm -hmm. little joystick running around. <laughs> they did a little bit of that in the passing game. So I'd like to see, a little because you're going to have to be creative yeah. uh you know if especially if you can't run the ball you you got to you know make some of these passes these short passes become basically long runs you know so yeah uh they but that create that's that's creativity and uh you know that's on the oc so we'll see how that plays out this week all right next matchup not an sec matchup shane but this yeah. should be one hell of a game if you missed it go back and check it out steven lazen on the last show said this should be the most competitive ball game of the week in the SEC, Shane. And, of course, I'm talking about your volunteers going on the road to face Pitt in what is now a ranked showdown here. So I love to see that. Tennessee, of course, lost the game last season to Neyland Stadium. But uh, they started Joe Milton in the game, and, and Hendon Hooker took over and, and rallied yeah. them. Just It was a little too little too late. Different story this year at the quarterback position. Pitt lost a ton, of course, of star receiver, star quarterback, offensive coordinator. So this is a new-look Pitt, very experienced, and the, this is a solid, solid defensive team, Shane. Josh Heupel and Pat Narduzzi have faced off three times before. Narduzzi holds a 2-1 to one advantage. But it's great to have an offensive-minded guy and a defensive-minded guy. The mm -hmm. strength of each team is exactly that. Tennessee's offense, Pitt's defense. This is going to be one hell of a matchup. Yeah, it really will be. And, and of course, you know, I don't really think it will be, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm a little bit of a little bit of a homer when it comes to Tennessee football. And it's not, not so much that I just think Tennessee is that much better. I just think here you got a Tennessee team that I think is better than last year and a pit team that is worse than mm -hmm. they were last year. So I'm just putting those two together and it's letting me know that this should not be a close ball game like it was last year, but I've been wrong. The one thing that I am worried about is the pressure. You know, we didn't get to see a lot of it with ball state, obviously, because that's who it was, but Pitt is going to pin their ears back. They are going to try to get pressure on Hooker. Hooker didn't – he wasn't required to run as much, and he didn't. Will he have to do that this week? And and so uh, there is there is a little bit of that concern going into, in, into Pitt week here. But, you know, all in all, I think I'm playing with house money as a Tennessee volunteer fan. So I think we got this one, and uh, I'm not going to give my score away just yet, but um, I am not too worried about Pitt. Right, and last year, of course, you know, it turned into a little bit of a shootout with uh, Hendon Hooker and uh, the Pitt quarterback. I've already forgotten his damn name, but he's now he's the Steelers quarterback. Kenny Pickett was his name. Uh, yep. Kenny Manning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Peyton, <laughs> I forgot Peyton's best friend Peyton's up there. Peyton's nephew, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, you got to feel a lot more confident, Shane, if this matchup turns into a shootout yeah. because they got Keaton Slovis, who I hear he's good things about him, but – he ain't going to be no Heisman finalist and a right. first-round pick. Uh, basically, what I'm trying to say here, I'm stumbling through it, but Tennessee's got a major, major, major advantage at this game's most important position, which has also got to give you more confidence heading into this important matchup. 
Absolutely. And there was a few things that Tennessee needed to work on going into this week. And I, I hope they've addressed that. I'm sure they have. Uh, but, you know, I will say this, too. There's got to be something said that, I mean, Pitt was in a fight last week with West Virginia. Yeah. Barely came out alive there. There was no hiding anything in the playbook. They threw it all at West Virginia. Here's Tennessee, though. They didn't have to show anything. Very, very, very vanilla. You know, I mean, we got Milton in there. We got, you know, we got plenty of reps with other guys in there. So I, I think there's, you know, a little bit of an advantage for Tennessee, given the fact that they didn't fight for the life, uh, you know, and it gives them more time and less film study for Pitt, uh, you know, less, less, less film you put out there, less they can study. So right. um, I think there's an added benefit there as well. But again, this is a, this is a tougher test than, than ball state. So you can't come in just thinking you're going to steamroll a team because if you come in too confident, like Shane is, you know, <laughs> then you, you may get your ass beat. You may get your teeth knocked in, you know? So th- there's, there's a fine line. And, and I hope that Hopple and, and crew you know, discover it because, you know, I was, I was speaking high on Tennessee last year. There was no reason we shouldn't beat Pitt. Pitt and then we walked away from the game. I was thinking, man, we shouldn't have lost to that team. So yeah. I, we can't, we can't come in with that approach. We really got to come in here focused and, and dialed in uh, because a few bad mistakes or a few three and outs. And next thing you know, you're down a couple of scores. So, um, any, you know, any concern though, Shane, like you said, in the ball state game, no sacks in that ball game. Maybe they were playing it a little vanilla, like you said. But mm-hmm. as I understand it, Pitt's returning their entire offensive line. So you, you got to imagine there's a strength of this this team. Um, any level of concern there? Wait, a Pitt's offensive line or versus Tennessee or the... defensive line that that didn't get a sack against Ball State? Yeah, I am. I I'm a little. I mean, obviously, you, you need to be a little bit worried about that pressure. But you know, a team that allows Tennessee to run their offense. You know, I'm not so worried about the running game. Yeah. I, I know that's crazy, but that's that's going to be their goal is to slow Tennessee down. They do that by running, extending drives, just keep the chains moving, you know, fake injuries, expect that with Pitt. You know, that's just a few things that they're going to do to try to slow down and, and knock Tennessee off their, their, their cadence. But I, I, I'm not super worried about it because, again – you know, we didn't show a lot defensively either. You know, I'm sure yeah. there was a lot of blitz that weren't dialed up. I'm sure there was, you know, they were trying to just work out their their rotation. It felt like at times. So um, again, I'm I'm not I'm not super worried about that. I think you know we're going to get a little bit more aggressive defense and play calling this coming up week. Um, just given the fact that they were so vanilla in their defense and offense last week. We say uh, the SEC's a, a line of scrimmage league. Uh, when you look at Pitt, their front seven defensively, their offensive line, how do they compare at the line of scrimmage from what you usually face in the SEC? Yeah, this is a, a veteran group uh, that plays extremely hard. Uh, they're physically mature. Uh, they play with great technique. The structure of their defense, um, you know, I don't care what personnel grouping or what formation you're playing in, uh, they're going to load it up and, and uh, play with extra bodies in there. So they make it difficult to, to run the football. You guys know for us, offensively, it starts with our ability to run the football. So that will be a, a pivotal part of the football game. Josh, I know it was just one game, but when you watch that pit defense, kind of what do they do well? What jumps off the tape whenever you're evaluating? Yeah, um, they gave, gave up a couple of big runs, uh, just miss, misfit a couple of things. But overall, they make it extremely difficult. Their front four are strong, physical, athletic. Um, you know, their ability to get to the quarterback on, on normal downs, but then on third downs too, uh, where they'll, they'll try to scheme you up. 
Uh, they're veteran on, on the outside. We've seen these guys, you know, a couple times, a couple of the last times that we've we've played them, and and uh, you know, it uh, it'll be a big test for us offensively. Yeah. Um, last year's ball game, um, yeah, we can take away things. One uh, personnel, uh, some some of the guys are different, but some of them are the same. So you have a better understanding of who they are uh, against some of our personnel. Um, the other thing is just understanding, you know, the type of game that it, that's going to be played. Meaning that they're smart, tough, and competitive, and uh, the little things are going to add up to the big things that show up on the scoreboard. And, and we got to do a great job of taking care of the football. We got to find a way to create turnovers. Special teams will be a huge part of the football game. Field position is as well, and, and uh, maximizing our opportunities. Coach Hendon tied for what I believe is the second most consecutive games with a passing touchdown in program history. I believe he's at 13 now. Can you just uh, talk a little bit about what makes him um, such an aerial threat and, and you know what, what makes him such a, an experienced uh, quarterback out there? He's able to find his receivers. Yeah, he would tell you, and I would tell you too, uh, it, that happens because of guys out on the perimeter uh, finding a way to get open because of the guys up front doing a great job in protection. Um, he's someone that has continued to grow just in, in our understanding of what we're doing and, and so uh, his ability to be in the right place so that he's finding you know the one-on-one -on -one and man-to-man -man or in zone coverage he's finding the right area to attack uh, gives him the ability to, to get it in the playmaker's hands he's smart uh, he's competitive he's consistent in his work habits uh, expect that to continue to, to grow as he's here this year yeah, and I'll have my eye on the secondary Shane that was a major concern coming into the season Kamal Haddon, I thought he looked great at corner. To, to Marion McDonald, he was the one that made the interception right off the bat. But this is a different challenge, obviously, with Pitt. So yeah. how, will, how will that group look, uh, particularly if the defensive line does not generate pressure? Because I don't care who you got back here. They're not going to mm -hmm. look too good if the quarterback has got all day to throw the ball. So that, that is something I'll definitely have my eye on. But mm -hmm. to your point, Shade, Pitt may be worse, Tennessee better and it's wild. This game's at Pitt. They won last year. They're ACC champs, yet they're the underdog in the ball game. So that goes right to your point, and that's something old Pat Darduzzi, Shane, he was all fired up about this week saying if we play in the peewee leagues. I'd like to block out the outside noise, but the, the, you guys are an underdog at home against a team you beat last year coming off a year in which you won your conference championship. Does that – you might block out the noise, but does that – is that a chip that you guys might play? I mean – You know what <laughs> – to me, you know, you like to be the underdog every week. I don't even know what the point spread was last week. We were probably the underdog last week at home. Um, you know, I know our crowd was the underdog for sure going into that game. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it, is what it, it is what it is. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good football team coming in here, you know. Um, I mean, you heard all summer about the SEC. And, the, you know, there's only really two Power Five conferences in the country, the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, so we're, we're in the Pee Wee League, and, and you know, we're going to line up and see if we can play. I just wanted to play that quick clip, Shay, but oh, yeah. I, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, he's got a point. I'm, I'm sure that's posted all over the locker room, but, hey, it is what it is. I mean, that's, that's kind yeah. of the reality of the situation. You know what? Get that Rodney Dangerfield. Who you getting no respect, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, you ain't getting no. He's shit, Pitt. That's what I say, you know, but – Brother, I, I'm ready for this ball game. This this one, this Johnny Majors classic, yeah. um, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, I, I you know, you got to remember this is what it's going to be talked about. Uh, you know, unfortunately passed away. So you know, this has a deep meaning uh, in the game. But 
these are two programs we played last year, you know, so that there's a lot of t- kids on both rosters that, that are familiar with who they're going against this week. So um, that adds a little bit to it. So I'm, I'm just pumped up. I'm ready for this game. I, I'm and, and I'm ready to see how good is Tennessee. You know, I don't know. It sounds crazy, but you can, it's tough to compare Ball State with anybody right now. You walk away from Pitt with a twenty, thirty point victory, then you, then people around the country are going to take notice of what's going on there in Knoxville. Mm. All right, one final matchup to preview here: Shane, Alabama going on the road to Texas, and I, for the <laughs> life of me, I cannot believe so many people are thinking this is going to be a ball game or, or at least an interest. Interesting game. I mean, I think Alabama's going to run them off a damn field. But, uh, you know, a lot of good storylines in this game. Of course, Bijan yeah. Robinson, one of the best running backs outside the SEC, uh, playing there in Austin. Steve Sarkeesian, Nick Saban, their mm-hmm. time together. They know each other's systems. A lot of major storylines. First, Alabama's first uh, road trip of the season. This is going to be an opportunity. You know, I said it, I don't know if you caught it on the last one, Shane, but when I had my power rankings and I've got Georgia one, Alabama two, this will be an opportunity for Alabama to steal that right back. I mean, I I think we could just be flip-flopping those week in, week out, depending on who their opponent is. But this is an opportunity for Alabama to show the rest of the country that, uh, hey, they're chasing that title. You know what? Yeah. No, dude, I'm with you here. This is this is a statement game, man. Uh, don't get me wrong. Nothing against Steve Sarkeesian, but uh, – you know, you something that you guys mentioned in yesterday's pod was, you know, he's he's just worried about the Big Twelve championship. <laughs> he ain't worried about it. he's he's already downplaying this loss that they're about to take because it's coming, brother. It's like Kirby said to uh to Dan up there in Oregon, you know, it's just the fact of the matter is we got better players. Yeah. And that's what Alabama has is better players, and it's gonna be on full display during this game. Matthew McConaughey may not even show up, you know, he may <laughs> fake a COVID or something like that. Zoom Zoom call. You know what I'm saying? So that that's what I expect from from Texas Alabama. This is not a ball game. There's there's a lot of cool stories. You know, I I, I like the theme that the like you said they got one of the best running backs. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see how good he is. Um, you know, I like the fact that this is a program that's gonna be in the SEC and a part of our culture. And um, I'm just. I'm just looking forward to it. It's going to be a hell of a matchup. So um, I just don't think it's going to be that good of a game. What are some of the communication challenges that come with playing on the road and a lot of crowd noise? And what's the best way to prepare for those and practice? Well, it's the same that we've always done. I mean, we try to go on silent sometimes. We try to go on a clap sometimes. Um, can't really use a cadence in those kind of situations. So. That's what you practice. We usually have some noise practices when we're playing on the road, which we will at some point in time this week, uh, later in the week. Uh, But it's always a challenge, especially on offense. Uh, So, you know, for defensive players, you know, maybe not as not as much, but um, sometimes for defensive players, it's tougher at home because the crowds yelling when the other team has the ball. So, but um, this is a very challenging thing that we've always had to work on hard in the past and we'll continue to do it this week. You mentioned Bijan Robinson, their running back. Just what stands out to you about him, not only as a runner, but as a receiver too? Well, he can do everything. You know, he's got speed, he's got power, he's got very very instinctive runner, sets up his blockers well, has a burst, and 
He's got great hands, good receiver. They use him a lot in the passing game. So this guy is as good all-around back as there probably is in the country, or he's certainly one of the best of all the guys in the country. And his production really sort of you know, shows that. Every preparation is different for each game, but an 11 o'clock kick against a, a coach that knows a defense like yours well, how do you adjust to that going into this week? Um, well, you know, we seem to play several teams now that kind of know us, but you act like we don't know them. So just because somebody knows you when they play it doesn't mean they're going to beat you. And just because you know them when you play them doesn't mean you're going to beat them either. <laughs> it kind of comes down to how you execute. But, you know, to think we're going to go change a lot of things that we do that our players know how to do, that they do well, that they have confidence in, uh, I don't think that's the answer when it comes to getting execution and having confidence in how you have to adjust and what you need to do. What is it that makes Coach uh, Sarkeesian a good play caller? Well, I think he's a very bright guy. He's very well organized. Did an outstanding job when he was here. He's got a good system. He understands defense. Um, he likes to see what you're in if he can uh, so that he can you know, run a, a play that's going to be an effective play against that particular look or give his players the best chance to be successful. And I think all those things and a combination of those things and good preparation you know, make you a very, very good play caller. So he has a really good understanding of defense. He has a really good understanding of what he wants to do on offense against certain things on defense. And he tries to implement those in the game, uh, whether it's formationally, using motions, adjustments, eye candy, whatever you want to call it, to, to sort of get the look that he'd like to have and then run that particular play against it. Yeah, I mean, we got to remember, it, was, it wasn't that long ago. It was just last season. Texas lost to Kansas. But yeah. if Steve Sarkeesian is as good a play caller as everyone says he is, Shane, he'll find a way to minimize the fact that his offensive line cannot block Alabama's group up front. They're, they're going to have to get in that ball out quick. They're going to have to run the ball. Uh, I just I got no faith in them to actually do it. Has Arch Manning signed any paperwork yet? <laughs> Not to my knowledge. He may have a chance to come back over with the to the, join the dark side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you sure you want to be here? <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. Well, uh, that's all I got on this episode. You got anything before we end this one? No, man. I'm just I'm ready. I hope you feel better, brother. Uh, thanks for everybody hanging out with us. It was a wild weekend. A lot of comments. Saw a lot of koozies yeah. at the games. Uh, you know, I'd like to see some more. Uh, my camera just died, so again, we have still not put four quarters together in this thing, you know. But I will say, Mike, it's been it's been a fantastic run, and uh, I, I look forward to this weekend. Absolutely, brother. Well, I appreciate you as always. I appreciate each and every one of you for continuing to show up. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. Sweet Caroline, <laughs> eat shit, bitch. <laughs>